Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of the Holding Court Podcast. Today, we're recapping the 2022 Los Angeles Marathon and my journey to a PR. Spring training has started, and we're discussing the shortened ramp up and some of the new changes to the 2022 MLB season. All coming up right now on Holding Court. Boom. Happy birthday to the podcast. Happy second birthday. We're getting ready to head into the terrible twos of the podcast world. I'm just finally getting it on track and recording episodes regularly and making it a priority and not, I'm still feeling insecure about it, but not feeling as insecure. So you feel like it's going to be the terrific twos. hundred percent. All right. I like that. Yeah. I think we're just, it's going good. Just scratching the surface. Yeah. I feel really good about it. It's really crazy to go back and reflect. I did a graphic on social media for the podcast and just pulled some images of guests that we had had on over the past two years. And I was kind of surprised at how many people have come on this this whole thing and talk to us. And it's a good point of reflection and a good thing for me, because I know I've talked about it on here. There were times when I wanted to quit doing it and didn't think anyone would really notice. And I'd fallen off for a few weeks before. And there were people that were saying, I miss this. This is part of my drive to work, or this is my weekly Saturday walk with my family. And we all enjoy it. And I've said it before. I know I've fallen off a few times, but even if just a couple people are listening and they're enjoying it, I enjoy it and it's good for me and it's good for my growth and getting over things that scare me and bring me a touch of anxiety. So I think as long as I'm still getting something out of it and there are still some ears on the other end of it, I got to keep it rolling. Yeah, you have a lot of, I think you have a lot more fans than than you think. So we've been a few places and had people come up and like, Oh my God, the podcast, like I love your podcast. And every time it's like, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. Like we're no. literally, we're actually sitting right here at the table where the whole podcast where started by the way, episode began. one in yeah. Arizona. But, um, just going back and thinking about like how this started and just like, Oh yeah, like this is going to be something fun that we do. We'll see if we can go. And, we had so many people tell us like the average podcast is like eight episodes, seven, and episodes. seven episodes before they quit. And here we are in 68 and we still have people coming up saying how much they love to hear us. And so it's, it's been cool. It's been a cool ride and seeing some of the pictures, by the way, your graphic game is strong. Court does all the graphics for Thank social. You. And, uh, it was cool going back and looking. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that episode. Oh, I remember talking to them. So I know someone the other day was saying, you need to get Brad Paisley on your podcast. And I was like, actually, episode 13, he was already on it, which is crazy. Like some of the people that have made the time to come on here, because I'm not a big, I don't know, massive podcast. I'm not, I don't even know, like a podcast. I don't listen to podcasts, (laughs) really. I'll like spot listen to podcasts. If someone says, oh, this is a good episode, I'll listen to it. But full disclosure, I'm a music gal, but it is crazy to think that someone gave our little podcast the time. So, well, full disclosure, Courtney doesn't listen to any podcasts that we do. No, she doesn't like to go back and listen. No, 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 no. But I listen to a lot of them because I I'll listen to it on the way to the field, or I'll listen to it on the way to go hit, or you know, I jump in the car and listen to it. And Courtney, for the first time, found out okay this so morning <laughs> how I listen to the podcast, and she. 
I don't know if she was happy about it. So I'm a numbers girl and I like to hit certain numbers every week. I won't say what it is, but I like to hit, there's a goal. If it's an episode that's really popular, I like it to hit a certain mark. And then if it's just a week to week episode, I like, it'll normally hit another mark. So I was saying, I wonder if we hit the mark because I hadn't, I've just been so busy with marathon and coming out to Arizona. I haven't really been stalking our numbers like I usually do. And Justin said, oh, I, I still haven't listened, which is funny. You don't listen to the episode that you're not on, little narcissist. No, but- <laughs> I just hadn't had a chance to listen to, and I have a lot shorter drive to work. That's true. In spring training. I'd have to, it would take me a full week to listen to this, but okay, so this he- is also why, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so he pulls it up and he, oh, so I go on to my milestones and I'm one listen shy of what I like to hit for my mark at about this point in the episode. So once again, I'm getting court over the finish line. So, okay. <laughs> this never happened. That's, I, that's true. So one listen shy and it's this guy over here. So he goes, oh, I'll fix that right now. And he turns it on and the episode just starts rolling at like, and I'm like, what? Pretty He's like, accurate. oh, I listened to it at, that was pretty good, right? Yeah, that was I'm like, good. like scatting over here. He listens to it at a time and like, a half meta speed to yeah. get through it and rip the bandaid off as quickly as possible. Is that a thing that people do? Listen to podcasts? Really? I know when I had book club, when some of the girls were trying to catch up, they would listen to the book at, a faster speed, but I, my own husband and my podcast, that cuts me deep. That was a tough one to hear. Time and a half. But what, like, it could have been on, on (laughs) two, two X. (laughs) No, but I I feel like I want to, I feel like a lot of people do that. And yeah, I'm just not a podcast listener. So I, I, I don't know that world. It would hurt though. It hurt. Our our theme song sounded good, I, but other than that, I sounded well, frantic. Like, and I get it if like normal people want to listen to it on normal speed and experience the whole thing for the first time. But I'm literally on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to give I, it another hour. I don't need to give it another hour. Like I'm, That's fair. I'm like, all right, let's listen to it. Like let's see, you know, count some ums, count some likes. See, don't do that. How I'm speaking. I, I'm really bad about the long pauses. Um, no, uh-huh. ums. I'll uh-huh. be like, um, like that's my worst one that I got to. Well, don't out. tell people that. Then they're gonna hyper focus on it. Never show your your cards. No, I, and you know what? I not only on the podcast, but I and like when I interview like with reporters and stuff, and on TV or whatever, like I do it so bad. I I got to work on that. I think you're just thinking and I, th- I naturally people want to fill space if you ever think you're having a conversation with someone or it's even a random person runs into you and is talking to you I am so uncomfortable by silence that I'll just say things to fill it instead of just letting the conversation naturally yeah. happen and conversations naturally have pauses and breaks so it's interesting to go back and listen to how you speak because you you really feel like you have to fill every single like I'm doing right now like you have to fill every single yeah, point I think my extended ums are like on a computer when the, the wheel's spinning like still loading Thinking, and I'm yeah. like trying to figure out the best way to but answer but you give this. a really thoughtful answer True. and it's better than just saying blurting something out and not 
Yeah. I just I, I just wish I could do it without saying. Um <laughs> Well, let's start today. We're going to count them. That's going to be a brief drinking um, game. On time and a half. Yeah, you won't um, see. If you listen on time and a half, you're not picking up on that. It just is a little right. bloop on it. Well, I'm happy you're all here and I'm grateful for everyone that has listened. It really is crazy to look back and reflect. It's nice to look back and see how far we've come and hopefully you can feel our growth coming through every episode. That was gross. Our f- growth coming through. I, I don't know. It was weird. That reminded me of what's the song? <laughs> feel a little poke coming through okay. on you. <laughs> I, yeah. You know that what I'm talking the, about. 100% that, I know what you're like talking right about. Right when you said feel a little growth coming through, like that was the song <laughs> that was like going through my head. <laughs> yeah. Baby, when we're grinding. Yeah. I get so excited. Yeah. Ooh. How I like it. I try, but I can't bite it. There you go. Dancing real close, real, real slow. That's going to come through real nice. (laughs) (laughs) Your time and a half. It's going to sound like you were rapping that. Yeah, probably. It'll sound good. All right. Enough of that. And more about another one of my accomplishments. I'm just checking them off lately. Two years of the podcast and fourth marathon I did it, guys. We talked last week with Jocelyn. She felt really strong about my PR. I didn't feel very strong about my PR, but I did get the PR. Yeah. It's funny. Everyone was really, really, really celebrating my PR and bless Phil, my guide on this run that said we are getting a PR and he was doing all the timing and the pacing and keeping me motivated and keeping me in the right headspace. But after I finished getting ahead of myself after I finished, I didn't feel that excited because my PR was only by like five and a half minutes. And I think in my mind to celebrate a PR, I was thinking it needed to be much larger, but everyone was very excited for me. So now I'm feeling that excitement for myself and I'm going to just soak it in. Well, think about it this way. If you would have crushed your PR by 40 minutes. Oh yeah, I'm never going to get another PR. Then, oh, I'm doing it right. Then how hard is it going <laughs> to be to keep moving that line, right? I like, said I, last week, if you listened to the episode, uh, you would have heard <laughs> <laughs> that my first marathon, I did in 640, 642 or something like that. Yeah. Then the next one, it was like 540. Then it was 532. And this year, 527. So I'm just chipping. I mean, the first one was. You a, did your big a, chunk after, after the first one. At, well, I mean, I had to. Off, I was, yeah. it was, that was absurd. And now I'm, okay. But I really, you think about if I were to take 25 minutes off, that's a minute off every mile. Like, it seems like not a long period of time because it is such a long race. When you really break it down, it is kind of hard to knock a minute off your pace. Yeah. Especially I mean, it got really hot. The course is a little more challenging the last two times with that incline at the end. It's a different, it's a different world. I wonder what I would have done on the old course, but we can't, can't look in the rear view at the old descend into Santa Monica. I just have to keep, that, keep it moving forward. Well, I wonder, you know, in the last three, I've been out there along the course rooting you on and you always kind of make like a little pit stop and say hi. And Oh, no, I didn't stop at anyone this year. And you didn't stop at anyone. So I don't know. Maybe I should just <laughs> be incognito and not let you stop because that might have put you a lot closer to your old PR. Yeah, I was grateful. I had Kate and Joe were out there near the Starbucks kind of at Mohawk Bend. Yep. 
And Mike was out there in Hollywood. My friend Matt was there as we were going into West Hollywood. And I told him beforehand, I said, my coach, Phil, is very strict. I'm going to be giving you, at best, a high five. It's probably going to be a wave from afar. Yeah. You should really think about how much... Time it costs you. Yeah. Yeah. And not that I'm, like, going for the gold, but it does add up. Especially if you have to stop and anything's going wrong. Like, I know last year I wore socks that were too small. I think I talked about this and I had to go for like the Vaseline right out the gate and like pull over, or, like take the sock off. So it was a whole deal. So you have to really cut, cut the time. I think you were telling me a story about a girl who missed a qualifying. Yeah. Boston. Like eight seconds or something, right? No, it was 11 seconds. 11 so seconds. To yeah, get, tell the story. It's crazy. Yeah. Someone I was talking to at the expo this past weekend was going for Boston qualifier. She actually went for it at the LA marathon and got food poisoning. She ate something and didn't sit right. And I think, I think it's maybe three, maybe three thirty. I'm just yeah. making, I'm just going to use that as what it is. It's, I don't know what it is for her age group, but let's say three hours and 30 minutes. She ended up doing LA in six hours because she was so sick. Yeah. And so she went and did, I think Houston, and she missed it by 11 seconds. And I said, did you do anything that you wish you didn't do? And she's like, I went and hugged my family at like mile 22. <laughs> but she said it only on camera. She only went over for like eight seconds. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe you're looking at your watch, like voice texted him. Like I'm approaching, like something a lot. And I'm like, no, you can't blame your family. Maybe you can. I don't know. I'd be mad. I'd be like, dang it. I could have seen you guys in like four miles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if you, you're not mad about it, obviously. No, I'd be like, mad. You stop, but like you definitely regret that decision. Like you could have oh, waited, totally. you could have waited, you know, I would not be pleasant that week around my you family. You could have waited 30 minutes, 35 minutes and celebrated Boston. I know she'll but, get it. I'll be, yeah. I'd be like, there's a group that ruined my Boston. But that trains. is so wild. That's wild. 11 seconds. I know. 11 seconds. Well, just think my fear, if I had to go to the bathroom or something, like I wouldn't, I was so close. Yeah. Can you think about five minutes? Like, that's not a lot of time. I know. If I would have had any sort of issue. Because there are lines, like, if you have to go to the bathroom, like, there are lines at the porta potties until you get to, I think, mile 13. It's actually really sad. The ones at mile one, people are, like, frantically, like, ripping them open. I'm like, I don't know if it's, like, the pre-workout or whatever. But I was just so nervous. At mile one? Oh, yeah. And they were zip-tied until <laughs> mile five last year. They, like, someone forgot to open them because I think they were, like, cleaned and ready and prepared. Oh no! And so Phil actually had a pocket knife, and he's like, "We're ready, like we're ready for anything." <laughs> he's like, "Just in case." Phil you have to. is the best. I know he was my like Mag my marathon MacGyver, unbelievable. But wait, did he really turn you down from carrying dates on the course? Yeah, he wouldn't let me carry dates. That's the other thing. Okay, so let me bring it back to my pre-race. I was a little worried because I had mentioned that you and I were on a whole thirty, yeah, and it was going to end two days after the marathon. So it's over now. We still broke it because, well, I had some chips, but we had I, chips last night. yeah, but it's, I wasn't going to break it on marathon day mm -hmm. and carb load or do anything like that. So I had to think of ways to fuel my body without using added sugars, any sort of grains, um, legumes. Legume. I don't know if I was thinking <clears throat> of legumes. I'm Is that even saying it's on the list? <laughs> <laughs> dang how will i finish this marathon without my legumes like well what? you know the beans you know 
Yeah. Well, they I give was you that little like booster. No, the, the toot booster. No, I did not need the toot boost. But so I had. So Phil was asking me what I was gonna, what fuel I was gonna carry because he offered again to carry my fuel. What a guy! In a vest. It's like putting all my little trinkets in there. So I actually fueled myself with Once Upon a Farm baby food smoothies, which were really good. So good, by the way. I mean. But it was beets like in there and avocado and banana and like beets are a good car. We, I did a lot of potatoes before, but I was worried because they're handing you stuff along the course of gels and all the goos and the little sugar things and jelly beans, things that normally if you need that little sugar boost, you're grabbing. But of course I can't grab that. I mean, I could have, but if it would have given me a reaction or a headache or something, that wouldn't have been great. But yeah. I just... Stuck with it. I tried to bring actual dates in a Ziploc and Phil was looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> he was date shaming me, but yeah. they're really good. They're really candy, but it would have been hard to chew them because they Did are gooey. Say, uh, this isn't a date, Courtney. No. <laughs> running a marathon here. Yeah. Yeah. He was very, he, he kept me on the right track and I needed that. Yeah. He had to put up with me instead of you this year, but I was very, I was very prepared. I got a good response on Instagram with posting my flat runner. Yep. People always love that. And I actually think that that is such a good idea for the day to day. Talked for, about this for everything, people. not just running a marathon. Yeah. Cause I just think I have the most energy at night before I go to bed when I'm getting ready for bed. It's so easy to just think, let me lay my clothes out. Let me lay my bag out. Let me lay out what I need in the morning and it'll make it that much easier in the morning. And it's just good for the marathon because you lay it out and I can look at now my past photos and say, oh, I needed my chapstick or, oh, my headphones. Can't forget my headphones. Yeah. Everyone was giving me shit. Kind of like a checklist. Oh, my headphones. Yeah. And just different things that you're going to need and your fuel and your socks. And you can really look at it and make sure you have everything. But I highly recommend, I guess it wouldn't be a flat runner. It would just be a flat person. For your day to day, if you have a hard time getting everything together in the morning, like me, I wonder if you woke up in the morning and thought Courtney was just having the most frantic time without me keeping her on track. Well, I feel like we've talked about it on the podcast before and I talk about it all the time. Just the way that successful people in life have the simplicity in their outfit selections, right? A lot of Successful people ha have a bunch of the same shirt, a bunch of the same jeans. So in the morning, they don't have to waste like intellectual energy trying to decide what to wear. So I think that has something to do with it. Like if you are a night person and you do have that energy and you set everything out and you get ready to go for the next day, when you wake up in the morning, you're just ready to go. And I feel like it's just start your day on such a better note than when you're panicking, trying to figure out Oh my God, what am I going to wear? I do it with golf a little bit. Try to plan out my Yeah, I go and see outfits. you start picking out your golf outfit. I'm like, oh, it doesn't, playing it doesn't help my It doesn't help my golf game, but it definitely makes my day start better. <sighs> no, but there were a lot of run, like training runs that if I had not set out my stuff the night before, when my alarm went off at 4.45 or 5 o'clock, I probably would have convinced myself to hit the snooze yeah. and stay in bed. But I think when everything is there and prepared and you really just have to get up and go through the motions that are already planned out it's it makes it that much easier you just have to be careful if you have dogs and putting your chapsticks out on the flat runners 
Okay, so I had our JTF chapstick that we were giving out at our booth, which thank you and shout out to everyone that stopped by our booth and that donated and supported. It was really cool to see some of you when I was hanging in the booth, but I took one of the JTF chapsticks because it was SPF and I laid it in my flat runner. Then moments later, I'm looking at my flat runner and I'm thinking, where's my chapstick? And then a little Rigby just chomping away on the chapstick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> under the bench at the foot of our bed it's like my chapstick it was so sad yeah he gets if, it, if it's out he's gonna go and and it's cherry it. chapstick yeah. so it, it yeah. actually smells really good so i don't blame him he probably had a nice little treat he, he thought it was a bully stick and yeah i don't blame him cherry flavored it's my fault i'm telling you if your dog gets into something it's not your dog's fault it's your fault a hundred percent so i'm blaming it on you too yeah <laughs> but I was early for the race. I woke up early. My friend Christy stayed over the night before so we could get ready. She was running the half for JTF. And then our good friend Dana, he was at our house early and we actually got in the car. I think we were aiming to get in the car at like 445. We got in the car at five. We got to Dodger Stadium at like 522. And the marathon started at seven. So you could imagine I was less than thrilled <laughs> with an hour and 40 minutes before we started. So in the past, when you we're going to Dodger Stadium, I think we've talked about this before, is like you go down and once you get on 5 Freeway or the 110, I'm sorry, to get off on Stadium Way or whatever it is, it is like backed up like crazy. And it takes like 40 minutes to get from the freeway into Dodger Stadium. So... You guys obviously went early enough this year where you missed all that. We had a good route and I maybe made some phone calls. Yeah, had a big Al take care of you. I heard I heard in uh I had a little birdie told me that uh Big Al kind of cleared a path for you guys. Big Al took care of us. But it wasn't bad. Honestly, traffic was not bad. Normally you're a mile off the entrance for the stadium and people are getting out and running. And yeah. I've said in the past, if I do that mile run in, like that might be it was so cold too, and the wind. Mm-hmm. The wind was whipping. It was like 43 degrees. I just, it was not. The conditions weren't ideal. No. Yeah. I kept getting stuff in my eye. I was just thinking this is not great. But And it, you said it was windy pretty much the whole run. Yes, but not the tailwind that you want to boost. It was wind either whipping to my side or to my face. And like I said, debris in my eyes. I would close my eyes at certain points running when the wind was coming and just hope I wouldn't run into anyone. Yeah, that's that's not ideal. Yeah, but a lot of people missed you. A lot of people asked about you, and I just had to remind them that even if you showed up, you're not doing anything. True. Like, I'm the one doing it. Yes. So I don't know why they were all stoked on you. But you did miss the the starting line, which is The starting so, line is the cool part. It's so for, magical. For me, anyway. I know I mentioned last week to go out and cheer on the runners, but honestly, I don't think it would be a bad idea to go see the starting line. It is... <laughs> You can't like... Or even everyone running out. Like the people that live in the houses along Vin Scully going down the hill out of the stadium. That time lapse is just like it gives me chills thinking about it. Yeah. And I actually had a very sweet gal come up to me when we were going down the hill. Her name was Stephanie. And she almost started crying. I was like, please don't cry. This is like it makes is going to make me really sad. She was like, the only reason I'm out here is because of you. I can't believe I saw you. Oh, my God. And I kept seeing her like a couple spots throughout the race. But oh, that she was, was she was a spectator. 
No, a runner. Oh, a runner. Coming down the hill at a Dodger Stadium. And yeah. we just, out of the 20, I don't know, 7,000 people yeah. running, we happened to just be running side by side. She wow. was like, Courtney, oh my gosh. It was really cute. So she's a listener. Yeah. Stephanie. Yeah. Way to go, Stephanie. And I saw her a few other times and I was like, yay, you got was this. this. Her, do you know if it was her first marathon? I'm not sure. I had a few people say that. Like we are like listening to our podcast was how they got into the marathon. Like Liz ran it in November and she ran because of the podcast, which yeah. is another like really, really cool thing. Yeah. But I just try to keep it re like I'm like I've said, I'm not I, I guess I am a marathon runner. I'm not putting it on a shirt or anything, but I guess I am at this point. But I just yeah. I don't know. I always felt because of my speed and my natural ability that I just didn't fit into that group. But. Now knowing that other people are getting out there and running because of me sharing my relatable experience that, I mean, if I can do it, mm -hmm. then they should sign up and try it at least is really, it's pretty cool. Not going to lie. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. You're literally inspiring people to get outside themselves and to, to try something that, you know, they never thought that they would try. And that's exactly what you did. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Feels pretty good. It should. <laughs> it should. Well, you didn't get to see it, but the course was rocking. There was more entertainment. There was more bands. There were so many more spectators this year, which makes sense. November was a a time where COVID was still yes. like very, very prominent. I think a lot of people were nervous, even in signups it showed, but I think there were a lot of people out on the course, which was really cool. Yeah. There were some times last year where you didn't see someone cheering for a while, but it was lively. How much, do you think that, how much do you think that helps you? Oh, totally. Even just someone like smiling at you on the side of the road or someone, because I, I say that I pretend that every sign has my name on it and that every group cheering is my friends or my family yeah. just to put myself in that space. But it's huge. Mm -hmm. It's a huge boost. Like someone will just be like, you got this or just be someone like that doesn't even have a sign. So you know that they're just out there. like most people are just out there. Yeah. Like some people have runners out there, but there's some people that live in like the houses or the apartments along the way or and they're like work has a setup and they're just cheering people on. And those are the che like people cheering that just like warms your heart. Like you don't have to be out here. Yeah. You're just out there and they'll be like, you've got this. Don't give up. You look great. And you're like, I do look great. I do have this. I got this. Yeah. And it just is such a mental boost more than you'd get from chomping into a date in your pocket. Well, I feel like, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm off on this, but like when there's people lined all the way, like down the course for 26 miles, like you're less apt to like take that break and, and start walking. Right. Because like, there's all these people cheering you on. Totally. But if you hit that little gap where there was no one around to see you, you could be like, oh my gosh. All right. I can take a little break. I can walk right here. So well, I yeah. feel like it pushes you when there's fans. Well, I had there. Phil over my shoulder. Well, I know, right Phil, to me. I know Phil. I know Phil. He wasn't gonna let me stop, but that's Phil the same was, thing. If yeah. Phil wasn't with me, yeah, how many times would I have slowed down, or I would have walked more? But he was there, like holding me accountable, and I think that's what spectators do. You want to like perform. Someone's cheering you on, and you like if you're walking or you're taking a sip of water, or whatever, and someone's like, "Come on, you got this," you immediately just kick it into another gear. At least for me. So, let's talk about Phil for a second because. You told me at the end of it, like, oh my God, like Phil was so awesome and positive and encouraging for about 23 miles. 24. Uh, 24 miles. 24. Can you talk us through the last two miles? 
Because I, you told me that there was a change in Phil the last two miles. So last year, Phil ran with me the last, I think I met him at mile 20, 21. Yep. Yep. And he just said he thought that when I finished the race, I had more in the tank. And I agreed with him. I said, I think that I hold back and because I just don't know what I'm going to need at the end. And it's such a mental game that you have to think about when you're starting this race. Because we've, we've started feeling really good. And I think our first mile was 10 and a half. And then it was like 11. And then it was like it was around that range, which obviously I got up to those paces when I was training. But can I sustain that? And so I'm seeing obviously my pace when it pops up on my watch every mile and I start to get in my head. And I feel like Phil knew when I started getting into my head because we slowed down. Yeah. And that's just me holding myself back thinking I need to save and I need to save and I need to save. But then when do you expend that reserve energy on your pace? And so you start to slow down and obviously naturally you're going to slow down. You're going to get tired and you do want to ride that wave, I think, in the beginning. And even if you are someone that goes to intervals, I think most people run the first few miles no matter what. But we like I've always ran intervals like I've always ran the first few miles and then dropped into like a five and one or a six and one interval. But Phil's like, you don't want to walk, do you? And I was like, (laughs) oh, no. No, I wasn't. I totally wasn't planning on it. Like, why would you even bring that up? But I obviously I trained a lot of my runs with intervals. So we actually made it pretty much to 13 without stopping, which is wild, like without doing any intervals. And then we kind of switched into it because it gets to a harder part of the course. And there's like you get in the direct sun more on the west side and there's more inclines and it's tricky. So in the end, the last two miles, I honestly, <laughs> there's one point I screamed at him and I was like, I am so slow. <laughs> and you just start to lose it. Like it's re- like, you can't explain it. You just, your mind is just crazy at that point. And I was like, I am so slow. And he's like, you've got this. And he, he just went into tough love mode. There was nothing like bad about it. He yeah. just was knowing that I had more and that I could. You. Yeah, totally. But honestly, like I said, the new course is so challenging and it is that incline at the end. And when you're coming down and you know that Avenue of the Stars where you're turning right and once you turn right, your finish line is right there. It honestly is like this mirage where like that light that you know you're running towards just keeps getting like further and further away. And so, of course, you need someone to be like, come on, you got this, you got this, you got this because you want to just walk. You're like, I I have nothing (laughs) left, but. He did a really good job of getting me there. Um, yeah, I hope we can do it again next year. We'll see. We'll see if you can can stomach me. He actually has Boston in April. And so that is obviously his highlight of running season. And that's where his focus is. So I think he probably enjoyed dropping his, his pace back and run running with me. I told him, I was like, is this going to drive you crazy to go this pace with me? And he's like, no, I like love nothing more than helping other people succeed and reach their goals so yeah i can't wait for him to crush boston and it's going to be incredible well he did awesome because like we've talked about several times on here not only this year and last year the course change um turning around once you hit santa monica and having to come back uphill into century city is not ideal Mm -mm. um one it, it doesn't get cooler you don't get that you don't get that 
um, ocean breeze that's that hits you in Santa Monica, right? And no, you, I had a wind whipping into my cheeks. <laughs> no, but I mean, like one in the in the old course, like you're getting down into Santa Monica, you're getting closer to the ocean, and the wind is is a lot cooler, right? And then now no, you're totally. turning around and going into Century City, you're going back uphill, yeah, and it's actually getting warmer because you're getting further from the ocean. But like looking at your splits, your last four miles, this is when you know, Phil was really pushing you and you went 1236, 1232, 1215, 1131. So like you literally... Oh, my final mile, I felt like I was flying. You literally, in the toughest four miles, like you got faster and faster and faster at the last four miles of the race. Like that is crazy. That's, yeah, Phil, that was so messed good. up. That's so good. That's not <laughs> messed up. That's pushing you. That's not... No, I know. At that point, I... Well, we talked about it after when we were going through the race and I said... I actually thought in the end, if I go faster, I finish this thing sooner. Because <laughs> yeah. at that point, you just think I'm done at the end. No, for sure. And no, it's it was tough, especially like I mentioned, seeing the finish line when you go past mile 19 is such a. They put a wall up this year, but I, I, you know, it's there. You know, people are finishing right on the other side of the wall. How was the, the how was the finish line? Because remember last year, it was you know there was like the fences up that were blocked and you couldn't really oh no like it the was fans couldn't really see oh the no finish. they had the stadium seating and honestly lining that whole street coming home until you turn on avenue of the start that's santa monica right yeah yeah so all the way in santa monica just lined with spectators and they kind of narrow the the course so you have like people all down the right side with signs and they're cheering and they had so many cow so many cowbells i still hear them when i close my eyes and go to bed at night <laughs> And then you turn and it's just a party and I posted my video and you can yeah. hear Rudy and Fitz announcing everyone and the stadium seating and everyone's just going wild. And it was like no better feeling, honestly, no that's, better feeling. That's so cool. I'm sad, went, I, I'm sad I missed it. I know. I ran into Christy's arms instead of yours. It's I okay. Know. But it was, Dang. you know, it's sad. Everyone's well. so used to seeing you there, but they still announced you. They did my they did my pet peeve when I crossed the finish. No, it's okay. They were like, Courtney, oh my gosh, the wife of Justin Turner. And I'm like, I am a 2022 LA Marathon ambassador. Right? Come Where's on. that? No, like, it's okay. It gets people hyped. And use my titles. No, they loved it. They miss you. You're a big part of the marathon <laughs> community. You've come out to all the races and everything. So I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, I'm really proud of you. And Thank you. And you did awesome. Thank and you. And... I'm sad I missed it, but I think you did better because I wasn't there. It's true. <laughs> no, I am. I'm really proud of all of our runners too. And our fundraisers, we raised over $41,000 and counting. It's still open. Yeah. We're going to keep it open until the end of March, but just crazy. I always try to aim to raise 26000 at least so I can think of every mile I run, I'm earning $1,000 for the foundation. And so mm -hmm. for us to just crush that goal was really cool. Well, and we had so many people who ran for our foundation yes. and they absolutely crushed the fundraising and yes. thank you guys. If you're listeners and runners for JTF, thank you so much um, for all of your support and for raising so much money to go to such a good cause. And I'm working on, getting your guys' fundraising prizes out to you. So I know I made, I, we're, we have our Google doc ready to <laughs> mail everything out. A lot of people earned jerseys that we're going to personalize. Well, I'm not going to personalize any of them. 
and <laughs> bats and baseballs and everyone getting their baseballism shirts and huge, huge, huge shout out to Beauty Lounge, Med Spa and Ivy Rescue Drip. They came out to the expo and donated their time and all of their services, getting everyone their IVs, their B12 shots. They had recovery stuff out there. They did a raffle and they were just huge. I think we were, they raised over $6,500 as part of our fundraiser. So that was massive in terms of our fundraising and they always show up for us. So have to shout them out. Always. They're the best. Thanks. Nurse fee, Dr. Kurt, you guys are amazing. Um, and they were out there all day for both days of the expo, yes. you know, just really trying to help the runners, you know, get in a better spot and administer IVs and B12 shots. And, uh, man, it's so cool what they do and they come out and they donate, like, like court said, everything that they do goes straight to the foundation, which is Awesome. They definitely don't have to do that, but they just have huge hearts. Yes. And looking to the future, do I go for five? Do I round it off with a nice five, five marathons in a row? I mean, why stop now? (laughs) Because it hurts. (laughs) No, I actually felt really good. My back locked up right when I crossed the finish line. And then I went down into a squat. Like I sat on my heels and then it just, all this relief came. And then I was, okay, I'm good. It's the combination of the heat, the direct sun, like it just weakens me and I just needed a minute. Well, look, this one obviously was a lot more difficult because you didn't have the time. The, you didn't have the time to recover from the last one yeah. and a full training regiment for this one. So yeah, it literally felt like as soon as you were done, you were going right back into training mode. Yeah. And then I look at I'm my crazy ass on Tuesday night. I'm looking at sprint triathlons. I don't know why. I just thought, why? well, what? I guess I can't. I don't know how to swim. I don't. But I figured I can do a, I think it's like a 0.4 mile ocean swim. I could do that. I can doggy paddle. <laughs> That's a long I'm going to start paddle. my first one in however many hours. And then it just only allows that room for that PR. We'll do uh, swimming lessons in the backyard. <laughs> I think I can figure it out. I just, when we had swimming in high school, you were supposed to say, I haven't taken swimming. And you would go over and do part of that semester in the pool and the first semester I said oh I already did that last semester lie and then the second semester I said oh I already did that last semester and now I don't know how to swim or dive see what happens everyone (laughs) when you lie and cheat yourself you're really cheating yourself in life (laughs) this was the era of me straightening my hair and washing my hair and straightening it perfectly every morning and I just didn't I couldn't do it twice so this means you used to take a shower every day yeah Uh uh-huh yeah wow yeah Times have changed. It was another, it was another world. <laughs> but okay, let's move on. You weren't at the marathon because spring training. For a good reason. For You had a good excuse. Yes. I'll approve your excuse. You thought about coming back. I shot it down. I, I did. just said, no, it was too soon in the beginning. I just don't think it was the right move. And it, it's an exhausting day, even for spectators. You'd have to fly home wake up super early, be out there cheering on runners, kissing babies, cutting ribbons, doing the whole thing, and then to fly back. And I just, I, that was too much. Well, and like full disclosure in spring training, you know, I go into Dave's office and sit down with him and we come up with a schedule for spring training. And I don't necessarily handpick my games when I'm playing or not. I just kind of go backwards from the freeway series and like, determine day off play two day off play one day off and it just so happened that going backwards like it fell as a 
day I was playing on marathon day. So even if I wanted to come out there, I was scheduled to play. So, and you I wanted done to, it, but you, I said, don't, no, I said, absolutely don't. But she kept like hinting like, Oh no, I kept thinking you were going to surprise me. And yeah. I said, I don't want you to surprise me. I don't. And I was trying to like read code. Like, does that mean she really wants me to, or does that mean she really no, doesn't the want lineup me to popped or, up on my watch at 8am and Phil's like, Justin's playing. And I was like, Oh, okay, good. Because if I got a text saying, Justin Scratch from the game, what's going on from all these people, I was going to be so mad at you. But you played early the day before, so you really honestly would have probably flown in after the game on Saturday if you were going to come in and done yeah. it, like the whole thing and starting on I would have came in Saturday night and then flown back out Sunday night. But. Yeah. But again, like we said, an abbreviated camp this year, so probably not the best idea to leave. You could have done it, but I don't know. But does... I don't know. You had to be buzzing when you got there because of all the chaos leading up to it and wondering if there was going to be a season or shortened season and all that. So does it just feel like butterflies first day of school when you walk into camp? Well, yeah, obviously it was exciting and you're getting to see everyone. Almost everyone was there and, you know, you're going around talking, but just things went, started going so fast, like day one show up and, you know, I'm, taking live ABs off Kershaw like the very first day, which isn't very even casual. normal. It's like normally you get there and you get settled in, you take a few days of batting practice, you run a little bit, but we were like on the bases running poles, like conditioning, like crazy trying to like make sure everyone's legs were underneath them before we got on the field. And it was just a whole like sped up ramp up, get ready to play a game in three days. And I know you can't really replicate that training on your own, but I feel like there was probably like an understanding that since you guys were delayed, that you were probably pretty responsible for being in good shape. I think that's kind of a thing like you it's spring training, but I think you're expected. At least that's how you took it. And you were you were hitting for a while and you were taking ground balls and you were running and doing conditioning. Obviously, it can't. It's not the same, but I think you were you were a little ahead of where you normally are coming into camp. Ish. Um, ish. Yeah. I did more, like I said, we, I did training runs with you, the, the, um, three mile runs. So I did more of like conditioning running than I probably would have done like sprinting in the past. But, you know, I would run when I took ground balls, I would do a little running out there on the turf and, um, try to get my legs under my, under me that way. But, I feel like for the most part, a lot of guys weren't far out of shape. They just didn't necessarily probably run as many sprints as they would have in a normal off season when they knew the season was going to start. Yeah. So, but everyone's good. But you were just buzzing seeing everyone. Do you get excited like seeing who your locker is next to, or is that the same every year? So who decides that Alex? Yes, and I was really upset with Alex. What? First of all, Alex is the best. Um, but I go in and... Alex is your clubhouse manager. Alex is our clubhouse manager. The and best. my locker... I'm in the same locker that I'm always in, but the locker next to me oh, is no. Trey Turner, which I have no problem with Trey Turner. <laughs> I love Trey, but you have two Turners right next to each other, and I just feel like our stuff was going to be oh, mixed yeah. back and forth uh-huh. all the time. But you know what? Our clubbies are so good. It hasn't happened one time. And you guys are vibing as locker mates? Oh, I love Trey. He's he's amazing. He just got a great batch of t-shirts in that are so like South Florida polos. 
I mean, it's like little baby sharks printed all over yes. one of them. And okay. he's got great. He's just, I don't know. Is that when guys get packages to the clubhouse? Like oh you guys my. are like, oh, what do you got? And you just go over and see what they had delivered. Like every day you walk in, there's someone has packages on their chairs and you're like, oh, what'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? I so, can, um, an, an Instagram unboxing. Yeah. And Open then, it. you know, we have vendors coming in. So like Wilson came in with a bunch of gloves and Louisville came in like taking bad orders. And then, um, we even had the other day we had our, um, our jeweler that we use came in the clubhouse and yeah. we had some, some guys make some exciting moves. We're not going to announce it here. We'll let, we'll let them, uh, <laughs> announce who had maybe had some, some big news maybe yeah maybe someone bought a ring and got engaged Ooh. but um i don't even know if he has social media so i don't, I don't know if he will maybe we'll try it. to get him on here and tell the story that would be amazing yeah. we should have him on here because you guys will fall in love with this guy he's literally the nicest yeah best soul on the planet so. we'll see we'll have you recruit him this week <laughs> and work on it yeah. <laughs> i love that i i get excited too and i think like i said i get really I think it's just ever since 2020 and thinking there was not going to be a season because your entire life it's baseball. And that is right after Super Bowl, baseball starts and it goes and it's just what spring and summer is for and fall for the Dodgers, for everyone. And so to not have it, I think it just gives you that extra level of appreciation and you just are so, so grateful to be driving out there. I know you were buzzing and like packing up the car and heading out here and just super hyped to see everyone again and where you're at in your career. I think you've done it for so long and you just want to soak it up. I think some of the younger guys maybe are just like, oh yeah, cool. But like you really know what it means to appreciate it and soak it up and enjoy it and take everything in. And I think, I don't know, that's just kind of the mindset I'm going into the season with. I think you discounted the young guys a little bit. I think it's even more exciting no, I think for, it's exciting, but I think for you, like you've done it for so long, like you just want to make sure you're like soaking up everything. I think they're doing it as well. It, it's yeah. just a little, di- they have more, more seasons on the other side for you. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is like, you don't know, right? You're no, not, totally. you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not promised you're right. tomorrow. So like even for the young guys, like hopefully like, you know, they're soaking up every minute of it and you know, our clubhouse is a pretty special clubhouse to walk into. And I remember my first day walking in as a Dodger um, in 2014, and I'm looking around and I'm seeing Clayton Kershaw, Adrian Gonzalez, Andre Ethier, Carl Crawford, Brian Wilson, Kenley Jansen, like the names just went on and on. And I'm like, holy crap, like Matt Kemp, like the superstars were just everywhere. And I feel like our young guys are oh, doing the same now. They're totally. walking around and it's like, well, Kershaw's still here, but then you have, you know, Bellinger and Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and all these MVPs. And I don't know, I, I remember that feeling that I had yeah. in 2014. And I hope, I hope that those guys are having the same feeling when they walk in. Yeah, definitely. Have you, there's been so much talk of spring training being shorter that it's too long and now that it's short like where do you think it should land do you like the old format like the timeline of spring training or does this one make you think I, I mean I guess time will tell on guys and how they feel this one's probably too short I think the old format's too long there's probably a sweet spot in the middle where it's like not 30 games in spring training but maybe like 22 ish I don't know how many we have on the schedule this year um, but I do think that week leading up to it is important because it allows our, our pitchers to 
kind of get an extra week of build up in it. Yeah. And that's what spring training is all about is it's the, it's literally for the starting pitchers to build up yeah, um, and be able to go five, six innings in their first start during the season. And I don't think, uh, I don't think very many of our guys are going to be built up that high yet, which is a good thing that I think we're going to talk about some real changes. Yeah. It's a good thing that they expanded the rosters in April to 28. So we can have a couple extra pitchers to cover for those starters that aren't built up all the way yet. Yeah. So the new changes that were announced were expanded rosters for the first month of the season going from 26 to 28, which is huge. Um, I don't think they're limited to number of pitchers for that first month. No, they could be two pitchers. It doesn't have to be a pitcher and a position player, especially with the DH now. But even so. the number of pitchers on their roster, because I think eventually it's going to be 14. Did I make that up? I, I, I don't know that rule. Okay. It could be. <laughs> well, you better learn it. But the, the return, this little casper won't go away the ghost, the ghost runner. runner yeah i'm not a big fan maybe because i feel like we were like two and 12 and in extra innings last year so yeah. uh, that's probably one big reason i'm not a fan of it i also think it i think someone floated this out there too like i feel like we should play one more inning of regular baseball before you go to the ghost runner like the 10th inning should be normal and then if you don't do anything in the 10th then you get the ghost runner I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. Oh, I think it's in September. The like maximum number of pitchers that you can have is 14 when the rosters sense. go to 28. But I wonder if that's that would make sense. That's not a thing for this first month of the season. Uh, probably not. I think it could. You could have two pitchers. Yeah. Well, go. I don't know. The ghost runner is just weird, and I think. I don't know. I love baseball how it is. And I love extra innings knowing that someone could walk it off at any time. And I think obviously you can walk it off with the ghost runner, but just like it also messes with stats. Like you already have a runner on second. Like, it, I don't know. I don't love it. I just think that we are a team that is very good at taking walks and getting on base and setting up, you know, innings for ourselves that it puts us at a disadvantage because, you know, teams that aren't as good as getting leadoff guys on or setting the table are just gifted this guy on second base. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I feel like we're, we do a really good job of doing that in the first place. Although if we're playing in extra innings, we probably didn't do a great job of that all game or we wouldn't <laughs> have been in that situation. But they messed it up. They know. set the table for you. And I, so it just threw off the whole thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. We have to be better this year in, in extra innings, regardless of what the rule is. There's like a fighter jet flying over our place here. I think it's, I don't know. It's just tough. And I also don't like, I don't like when you're the runner on second. <laughs> I don't know why it just makes me sad. Like, well, it also freaks me out because for the first like, few games I was thinking how did Justin get on second and then I'm all like tripped out I don't know I just don't like it it's not a good sign that means you made the last <laughs> out of the last inning <laughs> so not only are you pissed off about <laughs> making the last out of the previous inning um then the which, entire game is on your shoulders of yeah. you scoring to like some well I don't know that it's depending if you're then you get punished and they're like now you have to go be the runner you're batting second. first and you yeah I don't know yeah whatever but I guess it's here. To, did it did it reduce the games? I feel like there were so many that you guys still went into like the 
13th inning this year. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like that Milwaukee-Chicago trip last year, we lost like 12 games in extra innings, and it was only a six-game road trip. <laughs> <laughs> like every game went into extra innings, and I think we lost every game. It's so brutal. Yeah. I don't know. And I, then to think that we like win 106 games and lose the division by one game, and we were two and 12 in extra innings with the ghost runner is just mind boggling. You think if it would have been played in the traditional format, what would have been different? What would have been different? But that's the past. We're past that. We're not here to harp (laughs) on the past. Okay. (laughs) We're moving forward. We're moving forward. We're moving forward with the Otani rule. Yes. The Otani rule. So if he pitches and comes out of the game. He can stay in as the DH. This is crazy. I mean, I don't agree with it or disagree with it. It's whatever, but it's crazy that they literally put this in there for one person. Yeah. It's literally for one player. Yeah. That's wild. Like how is that a la- like how is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously like great. He's one of the most exciting players in the game. But it's pretty wild that <laughs> they made a rule just for him. Does he know? I guess it's never been an option before. He's always had to come out. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like he's never stayed. Well, you can. Well, wait, he him. would have to move in. Oh, yeah, because he would be the DH already. Duh. Yeah. Brain fart. Huh. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, whatever. It's not like it doesn't really. Does it make them? I mean, it could make that much of a difference. I'm trying to remember. I, I didn't pay attention that much last year. I didn't watch their games, but when he pitched, did he hit? I feel like he didn't DH when he pitched. I feel like he DH'd the other days, but I could be way off. Yeah, I, I, I literally didn't watch any of their games. Yeah, I don't know. Someone will have to let us know. I'll look it yeah. up. <laughs> I know it is interesting to think the that it's Otani, your rule. They should just call it what it is, the Otani rule. Yeah. Well, they've had some other rules that people have named affectionately after players, but we won't talk about those. <laughs> Do you know what I'm referring to? There's a few. The sliding into second base? Yeah. Or the sliding into home? The home, yeah. Yeah. Buster Posey? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you don't want to be on those sides of them. Well, I mean, I guess Buster was on one side and Chase was on the complete opposite side of those two rules yeah not ideal situations but yeah it'll be interesting and then but there's no more seven inning double headers which i want to say you guys had a seven inning double header and then it went into extra innings and ended up being longer than nine innings. probably i don't know <laughs> double headers aren't fun and we have to play a few of them this year because of you know the whole lockout being extended and so nine inning double headers those are tough tough to get through yeah but, you know, it is what it is. Everyone's got the same rules, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We're excited. Fans are excited. I'm excited. You're excited. What about one more rule change? What do you have? You know, MLB came up with this great idea for the All-Star Game this year. Oh, did they? Yeah, I don't know how they thought of it. <laughs> like, literally, like, why didn't I think of this? Like, if the game ends in a tie, let's have a home run derby to uh, determine the winner. Isn't that genius? It almost makes me think of someone that went out and campaigned for this. Right? For extra innings. I don't know. Instead of the ghost runner. Hmm. 
feel like I've heard that before. I think you have to say something to MLB and just at least have them credit it to you and have it be the Justin Turner Derby. I don't want it to be called the Justin <laughs> Turner Derby. It's like the Justin rule. I want it to be. I'd rather have the home run derby rule than the ghost runner rule in extra innings. So since the start of the all-star game, 13 of those games, which I think is, that's quite a bit. In the all-star game? Yeah. Extra innings, 13 times. I feel like in the past 10 years, it's happened like three times. But in 90 years, I mean, so we're probably not going to see a home run derby. Although I might be rooting for the tie. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. and I think the fans would love it. Yeah. I think it's tricky because in when you're managing the all-star game, I believe your goal is to win the game. Well, it's not as much focus anymore now that it doesn't give you any. It was home field advantage in the World Series for a while, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you what the real trick's going to be is because a lot of times guys who start the all-star game... Leave? When they're done, they leave. So oh, because like, it's the start of their like little all-star break. Yeah, so Getting literally the stay. home run derby at the end of this is going to be whoever's left in the game <laughs> at the end is going to have to participate in the it home run derby. It might be the Justin Turner derby. So it might not be as exciting as yeah. MLB and the fans think it's going to be because you know, you're probably not going to see Mike Trout in the home run derby at the all-star game. Well, I think your goal as a manager is to make sure you showcase every player, right? You yes. Because everyone either voted them in or they were selected. It's a big deal. And you want to try to at least get them in the game for an inning, a bat, whatever it is. So I think that's the trick before managing the All-Star game and then thinking if it's a tie, then however many innings it's going to go, how are you going to come up with these players that have already come in the game? So exactly. I think they had the rule where one player could, could return, but that's... I mean, you're going to have a hard time convincing a pitcher. to that, that would have been a position player. No one's pitching and then just like sitting cold and then coming in to close out the game. That would be absurd. So in my first all, All-Star game in Miami, I pinch hit and I played a half an inning of defense and that was it. Joe took me out of the game. And I've not Joe Madden. gotten over this to this and current day. When I came out of the game, he said, hey, don't go anywhere. If something happens... I need you to, re- I might need you to re-enter the game. And I was like, oh, cool. Cool. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for that. Thanks. Half I inning. just set the record <laughs> for the most final votes of all time, but I'm glad I got to watch a pop-up <laughs> go over my head. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Joe. I remember thinking like, this is it. No, I think it's I'll keep more. My, I'll keep my spikes on. <laughs> <laughs> got it, Joe. Aye, aye, Captain. Thank you. Appreciate you. I'll be right here. Just you're just like sprinting back and forth. Like There's always some ready. good stories. I, uh, one more <laughs> quick story because I know we're running out of time. I, uh, last year at the All Star Game, before Trey was a Dodger, um, he was he was a National at the time. Uh, Bob Guerin walked up to him <laughs> during the game and asked him if he wanted to pinch run to steal a base during the All Star Game, <laughs> and Trey was like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> Like, Classic oh, Bob. Classic Bob. Bob wanted to win. Bob I mean, wants to win every game. I love that. I love yeah. Bob's mentality. I mean, the National League's lost like seven years in a row or something now. So that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Trey, we need you to steal that base, but <laughs> he's like, no, Bob. And then here he is with Bob. And then here he is with Bob. I love it. Stealing bases. <laughs> Stealing bases. I love it. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you all. So much for listening. Friendly reminder to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss one of these riveting episodes. Yeah, this felt like a wild one. 
Yeah, we, we're all over. But you can rate and review the podcast on Apple and Spotify. And we will talk to you all next week. See ya. Bye. Boom. Pum 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 p